Hey, Sam. Hey, Bev. What you drinking? Ooh, that was good. That was louder than I thought. (laughs) It like surprised my ears. I was like, (laughs) hopefully it doesn't make listeners like pee themselves or something. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll 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 definitely turn the volume down on that if it if it does that while I'm editing. (laughs) So don't worry, listener. You will not pee yourself listening to that noise, even if it sounded like it while I was editing. So, (laughs) so what are you drinking? I'm drinking a lemon blueberry shandy by Six Sense Brewing Company. Mm. So I went back to the summer beers again and took a picture of it by a pumpkin because I'm clearly confused and I don't know what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask me where I want to go to dinner tonight. I'll just tell you I don't care. (laughs) But deep down, you really do. (laughs) But deep down, I really do. And all of your suggestions, I'm going to say no to. (laughs) Um, it's, uh, it's brewed by a local brewery in Jackson, Ohio, which is about an hour southeast of here. It's a really small town. Um, we were there for a cross-country meet, and we decided to go into their little town and go hit up this brewery because this brewery made a beer called the Paw Paw Merc Shake that we had at the Paw Paw Festival last week, and my husband really liked it. So we were like, let's go eat at this brewery they have like a burrito truck and yeah it was really good we had a great time there so um, i'm hoping that we'll get to go back again soon because all of their beer was phenomenal and in fact if i could give anybody a word of advice if anybody's able to go to this brewery or if they do start canning which i heard a rumor that they were going to start canning next month um, you want to get the merc juice it's an IPA, which is normally not my style of beer, but I'm telling you, the Merc Juice was the best beer I've ever had in my entire life. Hmm. And I've drank a lot of beer. That's quite <laughs> a bold statement to make about an IPA when you're normally not an IPA person. I know. I'm telling you. like It just had like the right mix of like beer flavor and happiness and I don't know I probably should be drinking that while we're recording but like this blueberry shandy it's purple so I had to drink that (laughs) it's pretty you sent me that picture it's It's very very pretty pretty. and in fact I decided I'm gonna start doing something new while we're recording the podcast so I use an app called untapped and if anybody else out there is a beer drinker they'll recognize what it is I'm gonna start checking into my beers while we're recording because I think that'll be a good way to keep track of them also of course like i'm coming up with this genius idea 29 episodes in (laughs) (laughs) hey but you know what sometimes brilliance takes a while okay so it's not your fault so if anybody wants to follow me on untapped they can i'll put a link to it in the show notes because i don't know what my username is (laughs) i probably should have looked that up (laughs) it's probably like bev karen which is my middle name k-a-r-i-n so if anybody wants to look that up and see if that's me you can do that or just go to the show notes. I'll have a link to it. I'm downloading it right now because I do enjoy beer sometimes. So, yeah, my fun. my boss likes to introduce me to people by showing them my untapped profile because I drink a lot of beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if you should be bragging to everybody that your general manager has like, you know, <laughs> a thousand unique check ins on untapped. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that just means you have your cultured maybe I'm maybe cultured. that's the word i'm looking yeah. for in the ways of um beer 
yeah, cultured we'll in the ways of beer. There's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, I'm actually really terrible about using Untapped. I haven't been using it very often. But if I find that a bunch of listeners are following me on it, I'll try to use it more often. Because then, like, you know, if I'm in Columbus and I'm at a brewery and I'm nearby, like, you can come by and say hi. That won't bother me. I don't think. <laughs> I guess you'll find Sam's out. Sam's <laughs> like, I don't know about that. <laughs> Sam has more stranger danger than Bev does. <laughs> I need to develop my stranger danger. And then Although, I should develop having less stranger danger. My new uh, my new favorite podcast, which is my favorite murder, everybody should know this by now, has been teaching me like to F politeness a little more. Yeah, you should. It, it's been working pretty well. Good. I think. <laughs> so what are you drinking over there? So I am drinking um, a Cabernet Franc from Tabor Hill. It's the 2016. Um, It's freaking delicious. And I think I've said this before, and I've definitely said it on my Instagram before, um, that I was not a huge red red wine fan. Uh, when I first started drinking wine because I was drinking like really shitty like yellowtail not that there's anything wrong with yellowtail because some of their <laughs> stuff is good but I don't I hate their merlot because it's like licking an ashtray yeah that's like in steel grape juice in my opinion some people might like it maybe now that my palate has expanded I could recognize that it's more of a pepper taste than like an uh than an ashtray taste I don't know. <laughs> I can see how you can get those two like mixed up though if you haven't like been drinking a lot of that style of wine mm-hmm. yet. Uh, I can see that. But this one, um, I actually picked up when we were on our way down to the Naperville Ale Fest in July because I like to try things when I do wine tasting that I'm not sure I'm gonna like. Because what's the fun in just drinking wines that you know you're probably gonna like? When yes, each winery has different ways of you know, uh, fermenting their wines and filtering it. And it's going to taste different based on the soil and the climate and blah, blah, blah. But like a Riesling's a Riesling. Uh, so while I might enjoy a Riesling, I just want to try what's different and weird when I have the opportunity to and not commit to a whole bottle of it. Um, because sometimes that whole bottle could be very expensive. And then if I just pour it down the drain, it makes me really sad. Yeah. So this one is really good. It's kind of got like almost a blueberry taste, but it's got a little bit of pepper and it's not overly dry. Um, you know, a Cabernet might be a little dry to some people and it used to be to me, but now it's not. I love it. And it's like 60 degrees. It was 46 last night. We slept with the windows open. I was freezing when I woke up. It was fantastic. Welcome fall. (laughs) Yes. So I was like, time to bust out the red wine. Nice. I almost went to the store because we have to return a a Redbox DVD. Um, I almost went before we recorded so I could find something like pumpkin. But then I was like, (laughs) eh next week (laughs) well I have a ton of pumpkin beers in the fridge now and I was thinking to myself yeah like this is the first episode that's gonna drop after the first day of fall so pumpkin Mm -hmm. only makes sense but like we bought these crowlers from sixth sense like specifically so that I could drink one while we were recording because I really wanted to promote a local brewery so I was like no I can't do that I really need to have this even though it's totally not seasonal 
That's so funny. Um, Charge it to the podcast. My brain (laughs) while we're picking things. It's very complicated in there. (laughs) No, but that's a good excuse. I need it for the podcast. Um, I like that excuse now, too. Yeah, I like that excuse, too. I am technically sort of an accountant. That's what I have my degree in. Um, But I need to consult a tax person to find out if we should be saving our receipts for the alcohol that we drink on the podcast. Oh, that's a good point, though, because um, you sent us our little financial statement. And I was like, wow, Bev knows what she's doing. I barely understand how to read this. But holy crap, there's a lot of money in and out, in and out. And I was like, oh, well, that means things are good, though. Yeah, um, I mean, well, I didn't see we're like a legitimate <laughs> podcast. Yeah, no, nothing's in red. We're doing all right. The <laughs> listeners are like, why are you guys talking about your podcast finances? This is so boring. We're not red. So that's good, because that means we'll keep you know, we'll pe- keep putting stuff out there. We're not, you know. That's true. It's not yeah. failing. So you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. And thank you for your support. <laughs> yeah. I mean, holy cow. Patreon. Like, we hit our first Patreon goal. Which is exciting for us because it means that we hit a goal, which, like, continues to push us to keep, like, working on stuff. Because, you know, like, when you hit the small goals, I don't know. It always motivates me a little bit. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I was I was surprised when it, we actually like exceeded the first one and I'm like, "Holy crap, like 15 people like us enough to pay attention to our Patreon and contribute every month? Like who are we?" <laughs> right? And five of them are buying our drinks, which it, which means two things. Like one, all of the drink spots are taken. Um, which is kind of amazing. And then number two, it also means that we have to produce five episodes a month because we have five <laughs> different people <laughs> supporting our drinks. So every month you're going to at least get four regular episodes and one mini-sode. Uh, so that means Sam and I are going to keep working. And this uh, week's episode drinks were um, sponsored by Homemade Confetti, um, which Sam said her name correctly last time. I did not. So I will let you say it. It's Christine Chiani. Is it Sayani? She said that you said it right. I don't remember how I said it, though. This is so much pressure. (laughs) I probably should have warned you before Ah, we record. I should have gone back to that other episode and listened to it, because now I'm like, I don't remember. You're like, now I don't remember. And, you know, um, she even said that you put the right, like, Italian, like, uh, emphasis on it the last time. Sayani. I think I said Sayani. Did you? Okay. I guess Christine let me know if I had a moment of like, what do you call it? Like memory lapse. Brain fart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say amnesia, but brain fart's probably more accurate. (laughs) That probably is. So cheers, Uh, ladies. Thanks for sponsoring our drinks. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate uh, everybody that listens and sponsors on Patreon. So Also, you guys should go follow her because she takes the most beautiful, colorful pictures. And uh, she really does. <laughs> she really makes me feel inadequate as an Instagrammer. <laughs> <laughs> you can just tell, like, they're so well thought out. that it makes me, like, want to up my game. So kudos to you, Christine. Keep yes. going. Well, and uh, there will be a link to her Instagram profile in the show notes um, since she was this episode sponsor. So if anybody wants to um, follow her, you can click on that link in the show notes or it's at homemade underscore confetti. So you can find it that way, too. 
Yes, yes. Yeah, and I realized I talk about the Patreon a lot, and I never actually tell people what the link is to the Patreon. I always just tell them to go to the show notes. Um, but if anybody wants to listen to this uh, episode's pre-BS, we've been recording them every week, um, and they've been a hit. So we're going to keep doing it for now. Um, our yeah. BS is up on the Patreon. It's totally free. To get to the Patreon, it's uh, patreon.com slash drinkandfarm. And and is spelled out. So if you are so inclined, you can go check it out. And somebody had, um, they didn't send us a message. It was in that uh, awesome, totally anonymous feedback you guys can give us in the survey, which there will be a link to the survey in the show notes. Um, somebody said that they wished that they could get the BS into their podcast player so i wanted to address that and let everybody know that you can get the bs in your podcast player if you are um, a patreon member every patreon member gets their own unique rss feed link it's like up in the upper right hand corner of the page if you copy that link and insert it into your podcast player then all of the bs and other clips that i upload will automatically get sent to your podcast player so i thought that was useful for everybody Plus, I don't know who left that feedback because it's totally anonymous. So I can't send right. it to that person individually. <laughs> so what they can they can do that if they is it like two dollars a month? Yeah, if if they're yeah, in order to be part of our Patreon page, um, I think it's two dollars a month. Yeah, yeah, and that's like you know, that's pretty pretty cheap for the convenience, I guess. Yeah, we try to work for the money. Somebody had said um, putting it as its own like iTunes feed but I think that that might make the BS uh, sessions just a little too much work uh, yeah because like we're trying to focus on the main podcast the BS is just like a cool bonus right. um so that's just one more way to like make the Patreon more rewarding I guess yeah that's a good way to put it there we go yeah Beth's on a roll <laughs> on a roll no that just sounded like on a roll hmm <laughs> Enunciation. Oh, that just made me think of a really stupid work joke that would make no sense on the podcast. <laughs> we do have lives outside of here. Do we? Uh, kind of. <laughs> and if you haven't joined our Facebook group yet, join it. Um, we've yeah. been having some excellent conversations in there. Excellent. excellent. Did I actually say that right this time? Mm. I don't know. But I, it just... It popped into my head. It reminds me of the Rent the Chicken interview because <laughs> they had a lot every of single time. <laughs> a lot of good chicken puns. They did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're very well versed in their chicken puns. Yes. And um, don't forget to review us in all the places. Yeah, please. I feel like I just checked. Um, we haven't had a new iTunes review since August 25th. So I'm feeling a little lonely over there in the reviews section. So even if you just want to go give us some stars, like your honest amount of stars, if you don't feel like typing something, that's cool. And I get it because like I've never actually gone and reviewed a podcast. Oh, you know what? For good karma, I'm going to go and review all the podcasts I listen to. I should do that too. Uh, good podcast karma. I really shouldn't be asking people to do something that I wouldn't do or that I don't do. So I should probably do the same thing. So you guys can go review us over on iTunes. That would be great. Or wherever you listen, I'm just most likely to see it on iTunes. That's true. Um, yeah. And the podcast that you're looking for when you go to iTunes to review it is We Drink and We Farm Things. Yeah. That's we haven't even really introduced ourselves, have we? We do that every episode. We're working <sighs> on it. We're so bad at this. We need, we just need a theme song. 
Oh, well, since we've hit our first Patreon goal, uh, we're working on that. Yes. So stay tuned. It probably won't be ready for the first episode in October, but I'm hoping to get start getting new sounds and getting a theme song into it sometime in October. So stay tuned for that. Don't worry. We will like very excitedly announce it when it happens. And maybe I'll just add a little clip to it, like to the Patreon, so that the Patreon people can get to hear it first, Um, which will be kind of fun. Yeah. Since they're the ones that made it possible. I think so. There we go. And I know Sam has, I I will humble myself right now. Sam has dropped the ball. Uh, We were talking about shirts and sweatshirts and things like that like a month ago. Oh, that's right. And then then we contacted the person that we want to work with to do it. And we're like, yeah, let's schedule a call. And then you're like, Sam's calendar is crazier than mine. So I'll let her (laughs) coordinate. And then Sam had the ball and she dropped it. So Sam will try to pick the ball back up so we can figure that shit out. Because now that it's like... It's 67 right now, but I have a long sleeve on. You know, I might get a little warm when I'm outside doing chores, but Sam wants a sweatshirt. So, you know, at least Mother Nature has motivated her. (laughs) And I'm sorry that we kind of, you know, got a little radio silent on that. But it's it's coming. I promise. I swear. Uh, We just need to all coordinate and get on the phone together to determine what we would like. So there we go. Well, it sounds like you're picking it back up. So it'll be good. I mean, I'm trying like, oh, gosh, I, sometimes the whole like farm work thing, you know, you know, podcast. Um, yeah, it just it's sometimes like my response is to like curl up into a little ball under my desk with my wine and just hide, um, you know, and like then this. Bev like puts her arm on top of the desk and then like bends down and looks in and I was like, hey, Sam, <laughs> get off from under there. I'm like, no, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> we have work to do. <laughs> I just start making like goat noises at you like ah, ah. <laughs> that's what my goats do when they're mad at me <laughs> they're like feed me ah. <laughs> but yeah that's just where like Sam's headspace has been lately but she's gonna try because you know even if it's for selfish reasons at least everybody else benefits um. it's true I mean you can't so, argue yeah. with that yeah so hopefully we'll have a little more to tell you by like next week Fingers crossed. <laughs> and that ends housekeeping corner. Do we have any Woo! other housekeeping? No, I don't. I don't okay, think so. <laughs> hey, Bev, do your chickens stalk the mailman? Yeah, they sure do. And in fact, uh, she's asked me to make them stop pooping on her car. Oh, well, you know, some people pay high dollar for chicken manure, but, you know, I guess as a male person, I wouldn't really want to deal with that either. Right. Uh, they have enough to worry about with all of the free range dogs going on. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure most postal workers don't really have to worry about attack chickens, but my chickens get pretty excited when they see the mailman pull up because they think they're honey and rue boxes here. That's right, because every month is chicken Christmas for my chickens because of the honey and rue box. <laughs> yeah, I just, I love the honey and rue box because not only are there useful things for your flock in the box, but there's also fun presents for us, the chicken keepers who work so hard to keep our chickens happy. Right, and you can save 10% off your first box when you subscribe using code Drink and Farm over at honeyandrue.com. 
And you get to also save 10% off the whole store once you become a subscriber. And Henny and Rue just launched brand new Henny and Rue branded products like Pectacular Shrimp, Coop Complete Dried Herbs, and an awesome mix of vitamins, electrolytes, and minerals. So make sure you go check them out and take advantage of that discount. Um, but I do have some follow-up from last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was reading the ingredients off of the Pectacular Shrimp Treat from Henny and Rue, and I realized that I didn't know what one of the ingredients were, and I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, <laughs> I remember um, now. Yeah, the ingredient is Milo. Um, and Milo is actually a type of sorghum. So if you're from the South, you know what sorghum is. Um, but if you're not from the South or you've never been to the South, you might not know what sorghum is. I have um, no clue what it is until today. You didn't? Oh, until you saw the no. show notes? Yeah, I like totally went like all off and did real research on sorghum. <laughs> and I'm like, what the, how do you even say it? Like, that was my first thought. So, Oh, yeah. No, I, I Googled it. And then I hit like, you know how they have those uh, YouTube channels that are dedicated to pronouncing things right? Mm, I mm-hmm. had to do that with both Milo and sorghum. So... <laughs> Hey, at least you were pre- proactive to say it right the first time. <laughs> yes. Well, at least during my follow-up, like, while well, I'm going to tell you all about it. So I think sorghum is a super interesting crop um, because it's kind of like a, I mean, it, it's not like from like a genus standpoint, um, but it's kind of like a mix between wheat and corn. And it can kind of fill like both of their both of their needs. It's like a four thousand year old crop that oh. is originally grown like in really arid places or places where there's a lot of drought. And it's useful because it's sort of like a cereal grain. So they use oh. it to make cereal, or it can make like a sweet simple syrup. So okay. it can kind of make, it makes a sorghum syrup, which is sort of like a sweet syrup with a very specific flavor. I couldn't tell you that I know exactly what sorghum tastes like because I can't tell you that I've actually had it. Um, but you can also pop it like popcorn. It can be turned into um, like an ethanol type fuel. Okay. And it can be cooked up like rice. So you could like make like a risotto with it. I don't know. I think sorghum is, is super interesting. People from the South are like rolling their eyes and they're like, have you not heard of sorghum? And uh, we're just like, whatever. <laughs> and we're we over here going, how have we not heard of this super cool crop? <laughs> we're just learning something new every day. So it's fine. We really are. And I thought it would be fun to share it. I mean, because we actually, we have a lot of listeners that are from other countries. So, I mean, sorghum is is grown in like really arid countries as well. So if you're from one of those countries or you eat foods that use um, sorghum in them, then then you'll recognize them. But it's also like a gluten-free like wheat alternative also. It doesn't have any gluten in it, so it requires a binder. Um, But otherwise, yeah, you can like use it sort of like almond flour as an alternative interesting low carb so it's like super versatile yeah it's a super versatile crop so i i'm not really sure why we i mean we do grow a lot of it in the united states most of it in the south you know because it's more hot and and arid there Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean it's pretty humid in the south but you know what i mean yeah not necessarily a lot of rain it's humid but it doesn't necessarily rain often totes i've never been to the south is that weird (laughs) You've never been to Florida? Well, okay. I've been to Florida, but that doesn't (laughs) count. Is Florida the South? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is kind of its own little world, though. Like, you know how Texas is like, we want to be our own country. I feel like Florida could probably be its own country, too. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I went to to uh, Universal Studios, Florida. That's what we did. We did like a week and we went there. Um, But otherwise, that's the only time I've been there. 
I'm trying to think. I've been to, well, do we consider the South, like, to be Kentucky and Tennessee? Because they kind of have a little, like, twang. Because it's kind of like you're you're now leaving the Midwest and entering Kentucky and Tennessee. And I feel like. I guess technically I've been to Kentucky, so maybe I haven't been to the South. Yeah. Hmm. Bev and Sam don't know geography. Bev and Sam just don't understand where the line is between the Midwest <laughs> and, you know, the South. And the rest and of I the feel country. Like, like most things, there's a gray area. Well, I'm occurring. sure that if you asked Instagram, you would get a thousand different answers. So That's true. God forbid I ask on Facebook, though, because people would probably really get salty that we just don't know and that we're ignorant. <laughs> I mean, at least we're admitting that we don't know something. Yeah. But so Florida is definitely in the South, but I feel like it's just like a whole different. Like if you're thinking like Southern Belle, I don't think Florida. I think like Georgia, Alabama, maybe even like Mississippi. Yeah. Virginia. Yeah. 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 Maybe the Carolinas, you know. That's definitely like Georgia. I just Hmm. think of like the big dresses that they used to wear. That they had to like be dying in, like all the boning and the hoop skirts and all that. That's you said all the boning, was. and I was like, "What?" <laughs> like the boning and the skirts and the corsets. Bev, get your head out of the gutter. <laughs> Bev's five today. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Hi, you said boning," <laughs> and that was tangent universe. You're, you're welcome. At least it was relevant to what we were talking about, though. That's true. It was on topic, so it counts. Yeah. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers to that. All right. Is that all we had for follow-up? Yeah. I mean, unless you have any other follow-up. I think that was, like, the most mysterious part of the last episode, and now you, you went, like, Sherlock Holmes on it, and now we know. So, yeah, we have, like, that streaking rainbow star that's, like, the more you know. Yeah. That just happened. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I totally know okay. what I'm talking about. And they still have those. <laughs> I can't remember what oh, channel it is. Shoot. Is it like PBS or something? Because I feel like I saw it with some, like Sesame Street back in the day or something. So I don't think it's PBS. I think it's like CBS. Oh, that would make sense. Again, another random tangent by Sam and Bev. It's NBC. Oh, it's NBC. Oh, that was close. <laughs> These PSAs are broadcast occasionally during NBC's network programming. Okay, I'm done. I'm going to put the Google down. And now we're going to talk about farming. Yes, for real. <laughs> so what's new on your farm, Bev? So we harvested so many pumpkins. Um, mm. 18. I was going to say, I meant to oh, count damn. them and I forgot to, but nope, I see in my notes that I did count them. And it was 18 pumpkins, which That's is kind lot. of crazy. Yeah, Jared's like, we need to, like, start a pumpkin patch next year. I was like. Oh, wouldn't that um, be fun, though, to, like, put them out by the road and, like, <laughs> kind parishioners leave you money? Oh, you know, that's actually not a bad idea. Uh, maybe I will think about that. Um, because growing and harvesting pumpkins was super fun. Now, I didn't grow my pumpkins intentionally. What they are is they were the rotting pumpkins from last year that we never carved or fed to the chickens. They started, like, kind of disintegrating in the garage. Yeah. So we used the snow shovel, and we scooped them up, and we threw them in the compost pile. Because I was like, well, I mean, you know, they're compost, so that's what we're going to do yeah. with them. Well, they sprouted, and they turned into pumpkin plants. And oh. we... 
ended up with enough pumpkin plants that we got 18 pumpkins and there's like at least six more on the vine still out there wow um yeah so we're gonna still have more pumpkins and the plant is still covered in flowers also like the parts of the vines that haven't died off yet mm-hmm. so i don't know if we're gonna get any more pumpkins it seems kind of late in the season for them to turn into baby pumpkins at this point you know pollination and all that yeah like, it's been kind of windy and cold and rainy around here and the pollinators don't seem to be out Mm. when you know the conditions aren't that favorable so that's probably all of them um but I wish I could give people tips on how to grow pumpkins because it was super fun um but the best advice I can give you is just throw a rotting pumpkin in a compost pile and they'll take over I mean that's what I'm gonna do now next year because that sounds pretty low maintenance to me (laughs) yeah it really was the hardest part was that the vines kept creeping into where like the grass is so my husband had to keep like cutting short the area that he mowed so now Mm. it's like really jungly out there (laughs) oh no (laughs) but as soon as we pull the rest of the vines um we'll pull it all out we're gonna take a tractor down there to turn the compost because there's still some compost under it and like I kicked through it yesterday while we were um while we were harvesting and it's totally breaking down under there so we're gonna build some uh some garden beds this afternoon and i think we'll use the tractor to scoop some of that up and throw some of it in the bottom of the garden beds too so it can continue to to break down in there that'll be fun yeah that will be fun i mean compost is just like so useful for so many things and it helps me waste less things because at least that turns it back into good dirt so yeah and i mean i'm sure alcohol will be involved right Maybe a beer. Oh yeah, so. while we're yeah. while we're building mm-hmm. our garden beds. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have a Sunday fun day today. <laughs> Which you talked about a little bit over on the BS session. On I Patreon. did. Mm-hmm. That is right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, one of the hardest parts about having pumpkins around was like my husband and I were like, we don't know anything about these. Like, when are we supposed to pick them? So all year, well, not year, but you know, all season, we've been looking at them. We're like, are they ready yet? They're like pretty big and orange. Are they ready yet? It's when the vines all die around them. That's when they're ready. So, like, you know, the big stem turns, like, sort of a shade of brown, and then all the vines around them are dead. We use the loppers just to cut the vines off because they're really spiky and kind of sharp, and they didn't feel so good on your hands. Um, But otherwise, you know, then we just picked them up and loaded them in the back of a utility vehicle. Hmm. And now they're all over the porch. We went and delivered some to the neighbors, and we're going to bring some to his family next week. So we're like, what are we going to do with all these pumpkins? (laughs) Yeah, I'm having my parents bring me pumpkins next weekend because they, too, had quite the harvest. Oh, nice. And, you know, my husband doesn't like pumpkins for various reasons. Or he doesn't like giant pumpkins. But you know what? At this point, I'm like, get over it. I'm going to grow pumpkins next year because I don't want to buy them at the store. I don't want to have to go to a cider mill, even though I probably will because I love cider mills. But... It would, it's so, they, they're not hard to grow. I would like to do some kind of like other gourds too for like decorative purposes. Um, because I think that would be fun, but. Well, that's what my husband said too. He's like, I want to grow all the gourds next year. These pumpkins are so cool looking on the porch. I was like, yeah, we can totally do that. I'm like, but they take up a lot of space in the garden. So I told him, I think my recommendation is going to be like everything that we want to grow. We'll just go pick up one of them this year. Or, you know, like a a handful of them this year. And then when they start to sort of break down, we'll throw a different one in each of the different compost piles and we'll just let them take over next summer and then build a new compost pile. Because, like, if you wanted to put them in your raised garden bed, they would take up all the space. And they got, like, really out of control really fast. I think... I think where my brain's going, and I don't know if this would work, so you can tell me what you think. So my husband, back in our back acreage, which is kind of like a jungle, we mow paths. Um, 
he like mowed down and killed like this big area that he and eventually like planted some new stuff to attract deer later. Oh yeah. It's like he's going to set up a little blind back there. Um, I could grow something back in that area because I don't care how big and crazy it gets. Yeah, you, know, you totally it's could. already like, cleared, but I don't know if it'll work or not, or if the deer will just come eat all my stuff. Well, they you might know, do that. The deer haven't bothered our pumpkins, and honestly, the deer haven't bothered quite as many things as I thought they were going to. Hmm. Um, but maybe they've just been a little more skittish this year. Although uh, there were three that like ran right by my bedroom window right before we were getting ready to record, so it was kind of cool. <laughs> I was like, "Dude, deer! It's the middle of the day. Like, you know, hunting season is soon, right?" Yeah, in Come Michigan, um, early doe season started yesterday on private property. So oh, I don't know what day it starts in Ohio. That makes me think that rut season is like upon us and the girls are just starting to run away from the boys because they're annoying. <laughs> like, not today. Which reminds me, we have to keep Loki locked up right now because, you know, I think I think he got to Diana, but I'm not sure he got to Maya. And then I just I was on a, a goat group and I was looking and they're like, oh yeah, if, if you know my my buck got in with my does, so I guess I'm gonna have babies on Valentine's Day. And I was like, oh, that we're gonna have Valentine's Day babies too if like Toot was successful. And then I thought about it, I was like, oh my god. The Naperville Eel Fest, the winter edition, is February twenty third. No, so I'm like, so I'm like, I I can't I can't let him out now. I can't let him out now. So now he's locked up until like <laughs> at least for like another week or two. Yeah, because I'm like, if we have him before, that's fine. I can have my brother come, you know, stay for the weekend and watch them. Yeah, you know, they'll be fine if mom's in there, and as long as they they've taken a mom, it'll be okay. Yeah. Um. And if not, like we can figure out the bottle thinking, bottle feeding thing, like a week or so before it'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, but then I was like, okay, toots cut off because I have to, you know, work around the Naperville Ale Fest in order <laughs> to meet the needs of my goats and their, you know, potential births. So, <laughs> well, it's so funny. I well, my goats aren't really old enough to be bred yet because they say that you should wait until they're about a year old. Yeah. Um, and I know most people breed so that they're born, um, in the early spring. But I actually think that we're going to breed ours so that they're born in the fall every year. Mm, mm-hmm. Just because, like, I don't know. I don't want to go out there and assist goat birds in, like, the early spring. Like, yeah. I'm not really breeding, like, for, I, I guess if you're breeding for 4-H kids, it makes sense because you want them to get their project before yeah. the fair so that they can raise it in the right amount of time before the fair. Um, but I think most of our uh, goats are going to end up being pets, um, you know, like the most of the goat kids are going to end up being pets. Mm-hmm. So I think for now I'm going to try to breed them so they're born in the fall. Plus, like, we're around in the fall anyways because it's, like, you know, football season and back to school. And it just, like, plus then they'll be pregnant over the summer. So I'll be drying them up over the summer so we won't be here. Like, you know, we can go on vacations and stuff and not have to worry about milking. Mm. Right. I don't know. There's, like, so many things that you have to kind of think about when you're mm-hmm. getting ready to have an animal that requires like, you know, you can't skip the milking. Like that's right. not an option. You can't be like, nope, I'm hungover this morning. I can't milk. <laughs> yeah. No. Or I want to go out with my friends tonight, so I'm not going to milk tonight. Like, yeah, no, nope. it's a whole thing. <laughs> There's a lot of planning. <laughs> yes, there is. 
Luckily, I have a lot of friends around here that are interested in getting some goat milk, too. So maybe I can work with them and teach them how to milk so that when Jared and I want to go do a couple of things, they can come and milk for me. Yeah. And then they can just keep it. So yep, and then they out. get to have it. Yeah. I have people that are really interested in like the soap and cheese. So I'll probably have to figure out how to do that. Oh, yeah. But we shall see. Sam will have to get a little crafty. <laughs> Are you looking for something that's totally safe to use in your coop and around your house to repel pests? Well, we have discovered the most amazing product called Fur Saturday Lime, and it is safe to use around your fur, feather, and human babies around your home and in, like Bev said, in your chicken coops, stables, and barns. And we actually even use it in our duck ponds. And by ponds, I mean pools because we're cheap like that. But we sprinkle a little bit in there and it actually helps keep the funk down. Yeah. For Saturday Lime is so useful, like regardless of what kind of animals you have or how many you have. It helps keep smells down, helps keep flies down, helps keep pests down. Like this is a product that you definitely want to be using every first Saturday. Make sure you go to firstsaturdaylime.com and check it out. And then when you buy it, make sure you use hashtag drink when you check out to get 10% off. And you can use that hashtag every time you check out and buy First Saturday Lime. Because remember, you want to buy at least one bag a month because you want to lime every month. What are you waiting for? Go do it right now. Meow. Meow. <laughs> I almost said right Meow. <laughs> <laughs> So inside our group, um, one of our members is getting some baby ducks in just a couple of weeks. And um, she asked some questions in the group, but I thought it would be fun if Sam told us about like how to raise baby ducks on the podcast. I know it's not really baby duck season, but, you know, um, we like Casey. And she said that she'd be interested in hearing about it on the podcast. We were like, all right. Casey, we'll talk about it on the podcast. And we'll do another, like, special mini-sode when it's closer to baby duck season. Yeah. Um, like, maybe sometime, like, in the early spring next year when we've got some more time to, like, kind of plan it out. But Sam has definitely raised several groups of baby ducks. So she knows all about it. I know nothing. <laughs> well, it's it's really not, like, super different than raising chicks. But at the same time, it is. Because if you think baby chicks are little poop factories, you should get baby ducks. <laughs> so rule number one, be prepared to clean out the brooder like every day. Oh, um, yeah. Because they need water. They need to be able to like dunk their little beaks into the water and clear out their nose. And then they get it in their mouth and they think it's really fun to swing their heads back and forth. Which is so, so adorable. You, but It yeah. is until it lands on the poop and makes it smell. Oh, oh, is that why it always smells a little fishy around ducks? I think so. It's a combination of them just being messy with water and their poop being made up of a lot of water. You know oh, how chickens okay. in the summer have um, more watery poop because they're super hydrated? Yep. Ducks are like that all the time. And then, you know, it doesn't, you know, baby chick poop is very like small and dainty or it should be. It shouldn't be watery or it shouldn't be crusting on their butt. Right. It's like a happy medium. Whereas ducks, it's like you can hear them poop. It's like, <laughs> like, I'm not joking. It's like, <laughs> um, so my then chicks when they are go... like that every now and then, but only when they're doing their sequel poops. I don't know if I said that right, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but yeah, so they go like all the time <laughs> and 
It's really cute until you realize that you have to clean out the brooder every day. So one thing we started doing was um, putting down like a puppy pad on the section that has the water and you still cover it in like a little bit of, um, of shavings. And then you keep it on the opposite side if you can of the brooder. We just use like a one of those tote things that you store like Christmas presents or Christmas decorations in. Oh yeah. Um, so you just keep it on one side and then build up the um, the shavings on the other side. That way, instead of like dumping the whole thing, you can just pick up the corners of the puppy pad and dispose of it. Change the pad and put some more um, shavings down. So that's one like hack that I found that I figured out myself. I didn't see it on the internet or anything. So I'm trying to provide things that you're not going to necessarily find on the internet (laughs) Um, because I don't know how much Googling Casey's already done. Um, So I want to give her like at least like what I do or what I found. Um, Obviously, Bev and I have talked before about not feeding them medicated feed or maybe you can, maybe you can't. Obviously, based on what we found, you can. I just don't because I feed them the same thing I feed the adult ducks, just in the crumble form. Um, so I do like the non-medicated chick starter. Okay. That's perfectly fine. Um, or any kind of meat bird food. I just do that. Oh, um, yeah, because it's got the extra protein in it. Yeah, exactly. They need more protein. So you definitely want to go that route. Um, you can look into like niacin deficiencies. I haven't had any problem with that. But some people do. So it's a good thing just to like Google and educate yourself on for the signs. And I can't quite remember off the top of my head. But sometimes I think it's like leg issues or discoloration of the beak. So you can look into that. Um, Yeah, I can't remember what the feather issue that somebody was mentioning on one forum that can happen because of the medicine deficiency. Um, Oh, is it angel angel? wing? Yeah. Yeah. So that can happen. But that's an easy fix with some vet wrap and some, some stuff like that. I haven't had that issue. I know Country Fried Tina did. Um, Shannon, who we interviewed a couple weeks ago um, for the Merrick's thing. But she's a good resource if you end up having an issue with that. Um, Because she did come to me and I was like, I'm sorry. I've never even heard of it until today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What else? Oh, always keep electrolytes and probiotics on hand. But that's just for any kind of poultry, in my opinion. You just want to have it on hand at all times so you're not like going like racing to TSC at like quarter to eight because they're going to close at eight and you're freaking out. Yeah. Just keep it on hand. Every time I go in there, I just pick up extra packets. <laughs> like That's it's a good just idea. Of, it's just part of my routine. I'd rather have too much of it. Because um, it doesn't really enough. go bad as long as the, right. as long as the thing is closed. So I used some of the save a chick like for the turkey, for the turkey babies, mm, but I didn't have mm-hmm. to use the whole thing because my water wasn't a full gallon. Yeah. So I saved the other half of the package and then I went to use it for my chicks the other day. Um, and it had turned into like a goop because the package is open and it's been so humid. I was like, oh, darn it. So I had to throw it out and open Aww. another one. <laughs> That's so funny because <laughs> I've done the same thing too, where I've like kept it on my windowsill and then opened it and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> you're like, ew, can't it smells bad. Yeah, no, I can't use that once it's wet. <laughs> and then like save a check is like between two and three dollars. So it's not a ton, but to some people, that's a lot of money. So there yeah. are other other ways you can look at. Like, I also have one that's, like, in a container that looks like a pill bottle. Oh, okay. Um, so as long as you keep it dry, 
Um, that's all that be matters. Okay. Yeah. I've seen some recipes for some homemade electrolytes um, and probiotics for chickens and ducks, but um, I've never yeah. made any of them. The only tra- thing I've ever really done is like a sugar water if I don't have electrolytes, like if it's late at night and they need a little boost to get over the hump of something. I've done warm sugar water. Uh, I can't remember the ratio off the top of my head because I have to Google it every single time. Right. My brain Um, is like out of room for some knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. Just like somebody was asking about Thailand 50 yesterday and I was like, "Uh, I don't remember. I can't remember. I know it's just like a tiny bit, but I don't like know how big their birds are. So it's like I don't want to give false information. So it's like, eh. Google it. So I'm not, if they're wrong, it's not me being wrong at least, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What I usually do is I Google and if like three people are saying it from three different sources, I feel pretty good about it. That's kind of my my rule of thumb when I'm in a pinch. Oh, that's a good Google rule of thumb. Yeah, because sometimes I'll read something and I'm like, there's no freaking way that that's Mm -hmm. right. And then sure enough, like I'll keep reading other things and like everybody's saying the exact opposite. I was like, yeah, that person must have had like a really unique experience or they're just not remembering it quite right because like our brains are super fallible. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, people can only do the best they can do in that situation with the information they've had. I think we've said something similar to that before. So just because it worked for them that one time doesn't mean it's right for everybody. Um, But yeah, that's kind of my uh, general rule of thumb is to, and maybe it's just because I like research and writing papers. So like, I know the value of having multiple sources confirming like what you think is true. Another thing you're going to need is a, um, a heat lamp. Um, you'll want to start out the heat lamp warming the area before you get them and they arrive. Like for even my pet chicken order, um, I warmed it like a day before mostly cause I was just really excited. It probably doesn't take that long to heat it up, <laughs> um, but you want to have it warm for them. And uh, the red bulb is what you should go with because it'll ease stress. Um, I only do red bulbs for For my poultry. Oh, for all of your poultry? Just for my poultry because for chicks, um, if they see red, they'll peck at it. If they see red outside of other colors, they'll peck at it. So um, that's why I do red for my chicks. So if they have like a little pasty butt and I clean them up, but maybe it doesn't, the blow dryer doesn't dry it all the way. If they see that exposed flesh, they're going to peck at their vent. Yeah. So, um, obviously you want to try to get it, you know, dried all the way, but sometimes it just takes a little longer for that fluff to fluff back up. So I always just do a rub bulb for that reason. Um, because when everything has a shade of red over it, they can't recognize the red and they won't pick on each other or themselves. That's a good idea. You know, we had talked about, um, the difference between the red bulb and the white bulb. I don't remember what episode it was. Um, but we learned that, yeah, I I was doing this for my tortoise. The red bulb was for at night because it doesn't mess with like the circadian rhythms. Mm -hmm. And then, um, the white bulb is for during the day because it like mimics daylight. Now I'm a terrible chick mom and I haven't been changing the light out. Um, but now they're six weeks and they don't even need it anymore. So <laughs> they don't care. It's <laughs> no, fine. They I always just fine, do red but... <laughs> and there's a window. So they figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. See, my chicks are in the barn. So like there are oh. windows in there, but it doesn't get in there very well. So I just I flip on the barn light that's over their stall so that they have okay. da- daylight during the day. And then I turn it off at night. So that it's just their warming lamp at night. But, oh, there you go. Yeah. 
Then you, you also have the option of those like almost little like heating pad looking things too. Oh yeah, like the Brincia warmers or like the um there's the one that is for uh cold blooded animals. What are they called? You know, like lizards and things. Reptiles. <laughs> Reptiles. <laughs> like a reptile heat rock. <laughs> yeah. I th- yeah, there well, there are like chicken specific ones that are like they're almost they're not metal, but they're like just a thick mat that you can't bend. Oh, okay. And you can put it under the shavings. I did that for the call ducks when they're outside, and I was still a little concerned that it might be too warm. I didn't want a heat lamp in there. Oh, too cold it was when like, it was, you were oh, afraid it was too yeah, cold? Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. Yeah, I was afraid it'd be too cold, so I used the little heat mat because the way like the um, their enclosure's built, the heat lamp was like too close yeah. to, to them, and I didn't want them to like knock into it and break it and set something on fire or just them break it and go through the night being really cold. Um, those are definitely worth the investment and I would like to move away from heat lamps, but it's expensive. So maybe if we're sponsored and they send us free ones, I will. (laughs) But for now, like I do the heat lamp thing and sometimes that's a little controversial and sometimes you'll be shamed on the internet. So just brace yourself for the, you know, bougie people that have leveled up in life and we're just not there yet uh um, I still use heat lamps but you know what I do I have like one of those heavy duty like woodworking clamps um mm-hmm. the hutch that I have the baby chicks in it's like a tall rabbit hutch with like a peaked roof I have the heat lamp hanging on the inside because it wasn't close enough when it was on the outside of it I have it hanging on the inside and clipped to the top of the peak of the roof and then I have a heavy woodworking uh, clamp put through both sides of the heat lamp clamp. So even if a chick flew up that high and hit it, the lamp would never fall because it's being held up by this heavy woodworking clamp. And then I also like wrapped the cord through the middle of it multiple times and pulled it tight. And then I wrapped it around the hutch like before I plugged it in. So even if for some reason that failed, the cord is wrapped multiple times on the on the outside of it. So that should catch it and keep it from falling. Yeah, that's a good idea. We usually zip tie ours. Yep, zip ties would work too. Yeah. We just didn't have any in the barn. They were in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> we have like really skinny ones. So we have to use like a couple. A bunch of them. Yeah. Should probably invest in some bigger ones. But then, you know, it's like you go to Home Depot and you buy zip ties and, you know, plastic for the outside of your run to start thinking about winterizing. And then it looks like you're just going to, you know, kill a dead or kill somebody and then wrap a dead body in there with zip ties. And, You're like, yeah. no, I promise. I'm just protecting my animals for the winter. <laughs> exactly but I think those are like my main things of advice um handle them as much as you can but they'll probably still end up hating you when they grow up just (laughs) it's a very complicated relationship (laughs) I find that relationships with all poultry is very complicated Ducks are the worst, though, because they just, mine hate me so much, but will come to me for snacks. <laughs> um, and then my, my Muscovies, which are supposed to be, like, the friendliest breed of ducks, the two boys, like, have started, like, this dominance thing where, they're, like, they're, they huff. They're like, because <sighs> Muscovies are very quiet. They don't really quack. Um, and then, like, they, they raise up their neck and, like, head hair and start, like, putting their necks forward and like undulating them. Like I'm doing this, like you guys can see me and it's ridiculous, but I should try to get it on video because like when I come by, they start doing it and it's pretty funny, but they're protective. 
Um, but I don't know. Did she say what kind of duck she's getting? Oh, I don't think she did. I don't think she did. Which is okay. I'll ask. Because I'm going to post that she needs to listen to this episode. So we did it just for her. That's right. Well, this, this part anyways. Yeah, this part. <laughs> so Casey, if you have any other specific questions, just post them in the group. And yeah. Sam will chime in. I won't say anything except that your ducks are really cute because I don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dunkli- ducklings are very, very cute. And they're lucky they're cute because of the amount of... <laughs> That you're going <laughs> to listen to and clean up. Um, that'll save them very much. <laughs> but yeah, so that's all that I really had for this week, Bev. Do you have any other farm tales that you need to tell us about? Oh, yeah. I have to tell everybody the story of Narcissa the chicken mm. and how her family forgot about her. Hey, Sam, do you know what time it is? It's grubbly happy hour time. Woohoo! Woo. <laughs> I can hear the chickens running already just at the word grubbly. <laughs> yeah, it's a know. good thing that mine are in their coop right now because otherwise they would have like come and busted <laughs> through the window. <laughs> yeah. My flock is like crazy excited about grublies. Um, so if you don't know what grublies are, grublies are black soldier flies. So they're like an alternative treat to mealworms because, you know, like most mealworms are grown in China. I almost said made in China, but like worms aren't made. <laughs> well, <right>? technically <laughs> they might be made in China <laughs> when they're little squiggly parasite gross looking things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But grublies are made in America. And I especially love that they are sustainable because every pound of grublies you purchase equals 10 pounds of food waste that's been diverted from landfills and it offsets 7 pounds of carbon dioxide. So I'm not really good at math, but grublies just both sent us the trig tank, which is like 5 pounds of grublies. And so that's a lot of good for the environment just from those two tanks. Oh, yeah. And uh, when you order the one-pound bags, those bags that the Grublies come in, those are compostable. So, compostable? Why do I have so much trouble with that word? I don't know. Yeah. Compostable? Yeah. Yeah, You know, you put it in your (laughs) composter, and it turns it into yummy dirt for your garden. There you go. Yay! Circle of life. (laughs) Woohoo! I like it. And I'm totally planning on using that tub to store, like, feed and things like that to keep the bugs out. So, that tub will not be wasted because it's glorious. Oh, yeah, no. It's way too handy of a tub. And when you give your flock grublies as a treat, you're also giving them like a really nutritious treat because it's really high in calcium, which helps like create stronger eggshells and healthier yolks and all of that good stuff. So it's a treat you can give to your chickens and feel really good about. Yeah. And there's a ton of protein in there. So it's good for their feathers, especially when they're molting and they're feeling super awkward about themselves and want to eat their feelings a little bit. Um, that's something you can give them in good, good thing for that. <laughs> yes. So grublies are love. Yes. And because we love you guys and grubbly loves you guys, we can offer you a coupon code for 20% off. Use code WINE20, W-I-N-E. Two zero at checkout and you'll get twenty percent off. Woohoo! Yes. <laughs> I posted it on Instagram, so there's like an abbreviated uh there's an abbreviated version of the story. Um on Instagram, but I'll tell it here and it's not super long. I gave myself bullet points that I didn't miss any of the points. Um because I don't know, I felt like it was an important one to share. 
um, because it was just like it was a back to basics moment that like my whole family failed on all at the same time. And I'm like, how is it possible that all of us failed on this at the exact same time? So um, what happened is uh, we've been putting the chickens inside the goat pasture because I was free ranging them, but they have literally taken every speck of mulch that we have on the property and thrown it in the grass, Aww. which kills the grass <laughs> under it <Yeah. laughs> and removes the mulch from the trees and the flower beds so that then I get weeds. They've also like jumped into the fall garden and tried to like tear that up and they've jumped into my flower beds and they have turned those into dust baths, but like the flowers are still blooming and I'm like, come on chickens, like you guys are some destructive little bitches. Like (laughs) where can I put you where you can be safe and still enjoy your free ranging time and like everything else doesn't have to suffer because of it. So my genius idea was to put them in the goat pasture because we've got um, the goat fencing, the chickens can't get through it and it's tall enough that our chickens can't fly over it. So they really are stuck in there unless they decide to um, to wiggle under the gate. They can, and there's like a handful of them that will, but they don't wander far from their flock mates. So when they do that, I don't. It doesn't bother me because they're really close to their coop and they're really close to their flock mates, so they're fine still. Um, but I had them out there the other day, and I needed to take Orion to cross country. My husband normally takes him, but he got stuck at work. And I wasn't expecting to, so I jumped up, and I was like, oh, shoot, he has to be there. It's a 15-minute drive, and we had 20 minutes. So I was like, well, I'll go run and throw the chickens back in their coop really quick or in their run really quick because it's super hot. I didn't want them hanging out in there that long because I was worried that they were going to be too hot and and overheat because there's not a ton of shade out there. And chickens Uh aren't super smart at finding stuff in new areas. So like, you know, it was kind of it's an it's unfamiliar territory. So they were mostly just like hanging out in the hot sun and, you know, pecking the bugs and eating the greens and stuff. So I went out there to move them and I had Aurora put them away inside the run because Orion and I needed to go. Well, we have a system. Everybody knows that when you're responsible for putting the chickens away, you're supposed to count them. Well, Aurora forgot to count them and put them away. Well, that night, Orion is responsible for picking up the eggs and tucking them into bed. And tucking them into bed means that you just take the flashlight and you count all the chickens. You make sure that everything is closed up and their door is closed and they're safe. You say goodnight and you shut the door. Well, he didn't count them at night. And then he's supposed to count them in the morning also. And he opens the door and lets them out and feeds them and waters them. He didn't count them that morning either. So I didn't count them when I kicked them out of the pasture. Aurora didn't count them when she put them back in the run. And Orion didn't count them when he was doing his evening and morning thing. So you know four times in a row that we interacted with the chickens they didn't get counted and we were missing one so what we think happened was we think that she dehydrated in the goat pasture there was water in there um but it was the goat bucket water so like she wouldn't have like you have to show chickens how to use their waterers the first time um because they won't figure it out on their own like if it's different than their original yeah. water like you can't just like switch from one of those hanging waters to a nipple waterer without like taking each chicken and pointing them out to it because they're just um their brains just don't work that way i don't want to say that they're not that smart they just they don't work that way and in fact what's so terrible too is this chicken would have totally fit under the fence and been able like under the gate and go run to her coop but her instinct was to go to her coop at night so she just uh-huh. walked up to the fence across from her coop and sat there and died yeah it was really awful like when we found her i was like how is this possible she is five feet from her coop door 
Like, yeah. or maybe it's 10 feet. I'm probably exaggerating a little bit. I'm like, we, my husband went in and had watered the goats that night. So he had walked into their goat pasture after the chickens had been taken out and he didn't see her there. I had put the goats in there the next morning and I didn't see her there. And I was just like, oh. This is just like such a terrible feeling because like we we failed that chicken on so many levels because like if all of us had just been paying a little more attention, we would have figured out she was missing and we would have found her immediately because the goat pasture is not that big. It's a half an acre. Yeah. So one person could have ran through it shaking a grubbly's bag and she would have come running. Aww. So we just felt really terrible about it. And that's it. That's my but lesson. <laughs> I feel like you should, shouldn't beat yourself up too much because like somebody else posted in the group and I didn't want to say this um, because it's, it was not, I, I said some like a more positive example. So Polish chickens have a hard time seeing, right? Because of their crest. We had the one rooster that spent the night in the neighbor's barn. Um, and then I was so upset. And then this little MRFR comes strolling out the next day. Like everything's fine. Um, but he gave me a heart attack. But then we had another situation where, of course, one of the hens, um, I was, there were like 16 weeks at the time. So we had integrated them, but they, they were so scared of everybody else that they were up perched near the waterers. So I would take them out of the coop and set them in the grass to get them used to going outside. Now, George, our other rooster, who might have to go to freezer camp, He's an asshole. Um, he was supposed to be watching Lucy while they were out together. And then George made it back to the coop, but Lucy didn't. And Lucy's a Polish, so she had a hard time seeing. And we'd never have seen Lucy again. And that was us, like, looking. Like, that was within, like, an hour. Um, and we did look for her before we put everybody to bed and we couldn't find her. So sometimes these things just do happen. Um and, like, I, I think it was, was it Bess in our group that lost the one? I think it was Bess. Um, it wasn't. Um, was it somebody else? It Ugh. was somebody else. I'm so bad at this. Sorry, Bess. I don't mean to. Uh, who was it? Let's see, we're looking. Oh, Bess was the one asking about chicken baths. That's what it was. Tina yeah. Stevens. Okay. <laughs> That's why I was confused. So, Tina Stevens, don't beat yourself up because Polish are just more um, prone to predator attacks and getting lost because they have a harder time seeing. Um, but that could really be any chicken. I was going to say, once it gets dark, they can't see. Yeah. Right? And it, and it was like daylight when she was was snatched. Um, so, oh. sometimes these things do just happen. Same with this situation. Like... You guys didn't know. And I could easily fall into the same trap because I don't count my chickens because I just know I have over 50. I don't actually know how many chickens I have. Um, It would take you a long time to count them twice a day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we just do a sweep of the coop to make sure the ones that might be the likely culprits of not coming in have come in. Yeah. And make sure, like, one time a possum just decided to roam into ours when we didn't close it fast enough. Oh, so now no. we do, like, a check for that, too. Because <laughs> possums will just kill for sport. Yeah. Um, So it's, like, you, you know, I, I agree it's, like, a learning situation. But it's never great to, like, beat yourself up about it, right? Because yeah. you, you have to make those mistakes in order to kind of get the reality check, right? That, you know sometimes it's easy to get lazy in a routine and that's true for like anything you're doing not just like farm stuff well it's easy to get lazy in a routine of driving to work 
and not paying it as close of attention because you know how to get to work and you've done it a thousand times. And then you have the asshole in front of you that just, you know, slams on his brakes. Yeah. And you then know, you're like, same oh, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, it's really interesting that this happened this week, too, because, you know, I, I talk a lot about checklists and like trying to get the kids to do checklists. And mm. I do a lot of checklists mm-hmm. for myself. Well, we had listened to um, it was um, a podcast. It's called Hidden Brain. And he did this. Um, he did this series called you 2.0 i'll put a link to this episode about checklists in the show notes um there was an episode that he had about checklists and it was about pilots um pilots were making critical errors and it was causing plane crashes like they were doing simple things like there's i guess there's a mechanism that allows the plane to like even out when it's um in the air and if you forget to turn that mechanism off then it'll just keep going up and up and up for forever oh. and then you'll have a plane crash uh oh. it's a better story inside the podcast i'm just sort of like paraphrasing here um but basically what came out of it is that they made um pilots actually follow a real checklist like a physical like check off the boxes of all of the basics of um you know like all of the checks that you're supposed to do before the plane takes off and they found that like plane crashes went down like big time and the way that they get pilots to follow these basic checklists for the things that they do multiple times every day is they tell them stories about the pilot that forgot to turn that off and crashed and died Mm-hmm. And so, like, I guess that's sort of why I wanted to tell this story because, you know, like, it's easy for us to forget the basics. But if I tell everybody this story and they repeat this story to their kids when they don't want to count the chickens, like, maybe they'll remember it and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I don't want one of our chickens to die because of something I forgot to do. And, like, I'm not blaming my kids yeah. for this, like, by any means. No. Because it's partially my fault, too. But my husband was like, you can't keep blaming yourself about it, too, because, like, you made the kids sort of responsible for the chickens. Like, you gave them that responsibility. So don't tell them that it's partially your fault, too, because then, like, they won't learn the lesson from it as much. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's I just like... don't let my I don't let my stepkids do anything with my animals because I don't trust them. Well, um, but they're not around but it's them. it's a little different. As, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, they're not there every day. So, like, they wouldn't remember all of this stuff. So, like, I exactly. need to give my kids, like, a farm job because I really want them to be involved in it. And taking care of the chickens is something that I feel right. like, like the chickens basically take care of themselves as long as they have food and water mm-hmm. and a safe door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's that's a risk you're going to take to, you know, teach your kids responsibility and in the hard lessons in life. And, you know, a lot of kids don't even have those kinds of hard lessons in life. And that's so, true. Yeah, the kids so, felt awful. Like poor Aurora was bawling. And I was like, well, I was, oh, like, I was like, it's not I was like, it's not like all your fault because she was she was there when we found it. And she was acting like it wasn't that big of a deal at first. And I was like, no, no, no. Like this is this was our fault. Like. So this matters. Yeah. It's not like she just died of a health concern that we couldn't do anything about. Like, right. And then when like, like clicked, she was like, oh, oh, and I was like, no, no, no. I didn't mean Aww. to like make it that terrifying for you. I just, <laughs> but I think it's important to teach them that there are consequences to their actions of not checking that box, either like physically checking something off a checklist or in, in your brain, like not yeah. it's super easy for even us adults to get, you know, um, a little lazy with it. Cause like, I literally have a routine at night. Like I walk the same path every night and they actually say like, it's an, it's good for your brain to do things differently on a regular basis. Like take a different way to work or, you know, do something that you normally do in a different routine. Cause it helps keep your brain fresh. 
it's the same thing with this. Like it, you have to stop and process what you're doing if it's outside of the routine. So they just learned a valuable lesson. I mean, it sounds like everybody did. And it's sad that, you know, the chicken had that fate. But, know. you know, I don't think it's in vain because you guys were able to educate your children and even remind yourselves of, you know, sometimes complacency of just the routine can result in something not so great. Like, you know, and now you're sharing it with everybody. So it's a reminder to everybody. So I don't think she died in vain. But it's, it's still not fun. I told everybody on my IG post to tell your kids that are responsible for your chickens the story of Narcissa. <laughs> and then it's like, like a legend. <laughs> the legend of Narcissa the chicken. She'll come back and peck your eyes out at night if you do not count your chickens. <laughs> oh, she's like a mythical creature now, though. Yeah. Well, now she'll yeah. live for forever. There you go. I like it. Well, we should end this episode on a semi-funny note, and I've got one. Um, even though oh, I yeah? don't have a funny farm story. Um, oh, but I don't either. <laughs> if somebody has a funny farm story, email it to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com, and we'll tell it on the podcast. Yes, We're we waiting will. to make that a thing, so help us make that a thing. We've all got funny stories. Or like heartwarming <laughs> stories, or, you know, I don't know. Any farm Interesting story. Interesting stories. We inspire to be as awesome as, like, my favorite murderer and they do minisodes around like homes to home stories right so yeah. we want your stories of farming it can be funny or sad or heartwarming or whatever you know we'll tell it yep so let's do that but what's your funny thing okay so um i named my uh speaking of my favorite murder i named my <laughs> my my baby chicks i have two hens and a rooster uh-huh well i named them georgia hardstark Karen Kilgariff <laughs> and Steven. Oh, Steven. <laughs> so I love it. Now when I walk out. murderinos. Yeah, my murderino chickens. And they're like black and pretty. And it's really funny. Like Aww. the the one chick that I named Georgia, she has like this really pretty like Barnevelder co- coloring on her wings. So it kind of looks like she's wearing a little mini house dress. Oh, and Karen is mostly black, and like um, Stephen is just you know he's a funky the looking boy. rooster. <laughs> you know how roosters like mature really awkwardly. He's yeah. he's totally doing that. <laughs> there you go. But now when I, I walk like out that. to my coop, I can go Stephen. <laughs> you can see my favorite murderer as you're like going out, and there's like fog around you because it's early in the morning. <laughs> I'm like crying a little bit on the inside. <laughs> you'll freak yourself out and you'll be like looking around. And I'm like, I have three chickens. What am I going to name these? Like they need to have a theme. <laughs> like stay out of the forest. <laughs> stay out of the forest chickens. It won't end well for you. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I was not expecting that at all. That's fantastic. You <laughs> no. But it's like my new favorite thing. I'm jealous that you thought about it. Well, I, I need to take a really good photo of them and post it to Instagram and tag them in it. Because, I mean, I don't think I'm the first person to ever name chickens after my favorite murder. But I don't know. Maybe. But maybe. <laughs> Somebody else is going to be like, no, nah, I did that three years ago. <laughs> maybe we should see. Because they've been talking about, like, all the subgroups for MFM. Oh, maybe I we should start a chicken, like a chicken one. Yeah, if there's not one, we should start that. Zoom. Yeah, we should just start it. <laughs> Everyone that listens is like, we listened to that podcast, and that was not for us. We don't understand why you like it so much. <laughs> and we're just like, uh, we like dark things. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening, guys. 
Yeah, uh, we drink and we farm things, and you can find us over on the Instagram at Drink and Farm, and use hashtag Drink and Farm, and we will feature one on Tuesday and one on Thursday. We don't really have any rules about this hashtag other than Drink and Farm Safely. Uh, that's like the only rule, and I think I pulled one from like months ago. For this week so just because i don't pick yours this week doesn't mean that we won't pick it later so keep that in mind don't get discouraged sam is just really unorganized yeah i love all. seeing them so please keep posting them and hashtagging them for us because um i think they're lots of fun yes i agree so drink farm and, and give, give zero, zero clucks. clucks bye guys bye bye cheers Boo-hoo.